everybody and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. A few weeks ago, I got to sit down for a chat with one of my favourite creatives. His name is James Victori. He's a motorcycle rider and a surfer, but he's mainly known as one of the most prominent graphic designers and pop artists of his generation. His work was exposed twice at New York's Museum of Modern Art, and you can still find his work exposed in museums around the world. James is a master in poster design and has been teaching graphic design for over 20 years. He's worked for prestigious clients such as Adobe, MailChimp and Mouette et Chandon, the champagne. And in fact, you may recognise his work from time to time on the covers of Esquire magazine, Time magazine, and he also does the whole collection of book covers for Do Books. But his work doesn't stop at graphic design. He receives invitations from around the world for his motivational speaking talents and coaches many a creative and business owner. If you join him on YouTube or Instagram, you'll find him talking about his dangerous ideas and giving creatives the pep talk they really need. James's work is witty, it's subversive, provoking and of course it's a bunch of fun. Some say he's part Darth Vader, part Yoda. Um, and if you don't know him yet, you'll probably hear a lot about him in the near future. His latest book, it's called Feck Perfection, has just come out and is already a number one bestseller on Amazon. I was truly honoured and quite intimidated to have him on the show. And you may have noticed that I'm a huge fan. This episode is for the creatives out there. In this conversation, we talk about why creatives must have their own opinion and their own voice, how perfectionism can destroy our creativity and why it's important to tame your fear of starting and of finishing if you're a creative. We also talk about how and why setting goals is important, owning your identity and basically fecking perfection. We also get a glimpse of what kind of a surfer James is and his experience surfing the waves of New York and Costa Rica. This episode is dedicated to the creative listeners out there, whether it's in business, parenting, art, design. James Victoria is about to share his knowledge and this is really cool. So please welcome James Victoria. Welcome, James Victoria, to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you? I am groovy, and I'm very happy to be here, Amy. Oh, well, thank you for being here. Um, James, do you think you could introduce yourselves to the listeners? Uh, sure. So, um, uh, like I said, my name is uh, James Victoria. I'm traditionally a graphic designer from uh, from New York, from Brooklyn, New York. Um and a number of years ago, um, I basically realized that I'm a pretty good graphic designer, meaning I could get into um, the museums all around the world and have two exhibitions at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Um, but I'm a much better teacher. So I have kind of been retraining my my career. And um, I find myself as a uh, as a teacher and trying to urge I've had a very nice career and I'm trying to urge other people to do the same, basically, to, to understand the, the, the their where their voice and how to find it and how to use it, um, give them some um, autonomy 
over their career and not feel like a, a, a leaf in the wind um, and to have, you know, creative lives and creative work. Similar to similar to your path, um, you know, the giving giving themselves the the, the freedom to fail and the the freedom to um, uh, try and succeed at new things. Fantastic. Um, I love the way um, you say, that as a graphic designer, I want to make your head explode. Um, do you think you could explain <laughs> what you mean behind that? Yeah, um, I. I'm trying to figure out where to jump in on this one. Um, I don't work for clients. I work for comrades. I work, I look for relationships. Um, I don't want to work for somebody one time or I don't, I am not, um, people do not pay me for my, my left hand. They pay me for my heart. And um, my job as a designer is not to um, give the client what they want. I think giving the client what they want is a form of um, cruelty. (laughs) Um, So um, what I try to do with a client or without a client, what I try to do is within any project I do, whether it's a commercial project or, or, or something for myself, I try to make it pregnant with emotion. I try to, to give it, um, levels of reading you know the um um and that that line that you say it comes from this idea that um i think the great french designer um am cassandra said that a good poster enters through the eye and explodes in the brain mm-hmm. meaning meaning you take it in visually and then um um when its full meaning comes to four you just go oh damn <laughs> so it's not my idea. I, I, it's, it's like it's like telling a good joke. Yeah. You know, you set up you set up um, a premise. The audience um, completes their level of understanding of that premise in their head, and then when you deliver the punchline, you take them in a completely different place. You've you, you've completely pulled the rug out from under them. Because the, what I want is, yes, yeah, sure, I want my clients to make money with whatever they're selling or whatever they're promoting, but I want to inspire and I want to educate and I want to um, excite yeah. my client. And that's much more important to me than, than uh, just to get paid. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're, you're, you work with clients, but you, you've also sort of, um, you also publish books and your new book is coming out called Feck Perfection. Um, yes. Do you think you could tell us where the phrase Feck Perfection has come from yeah um it it comes from the fact that i am basically a um like a still seven years old (laughs) (laughs) uh when i was a kid i was full of wordplay and puns and sing song and you know make up lyrics to 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 make up new words for songs and um effect perfection is basically a way of proving that perfection isn't interesting. Mm. And I think what most designers, especially in the designer field, probably in other fields as well, music probably, um, I think people aspire to a level of perfection. And I've got no problem with that, but I do have a problem 
with seeking that when it destroys your creativity and when it destroys your life and it destroys your enjoyment of the process. Right. You know, most designers are so concerned with those little spaces between letters or those spaces between, I don't even know what they're called anymore. I've gotten so removed from the business that, you know, the, 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 the these noodly little details that nobody but them sees, you know, and they spend hours and hours and basically the job is never done. You know, what we say, what we say about, you know, perfection is, you know, done is better than perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the other thing, the other idea about perfection is perfection both stops us from starting any project. Like I assume when you did this podcast that you probably, you probably stopped before you started. Yeah. Yes, I did. (laughs) Probably said, hey, hey, that's a brilliant idea. Oh, that's not gonna. Oh, that's gonna involve me being. Oh, and I'm gonna have to. Right. So perfection's because you assumed like, oh, it won't be perfect. Hmm. It won't be the one that I, you know. But but so it stops us from starting projects, and it also stops us from finishing because it's never done. You know, it's like, oh, I can't show this. Well, you know, and it came from when I was a teacher for you know 20 years at university. My my students would never finish their portfolio. I'm like, get out. It was just, and it was a fear of, it was a fear of going out and showing their work. I'm like, dude, I'm dude, dude, I'm like 30 years older than you and my portfolio is never done either. So get out there and, and start, you know, dancing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's. Perfection kind of, you know, it can take the fun out of, out, out of it. Um, and it was just, and the, as a title for a book, it's a terrible title, by the way, because it's hard to say and it's hard to spell. <laughs> Yeah, the spell check always has a has a go at it. When you yeah, it. and yeah. I, and I, even when I'm typing, you know, and and uh, typing and writing about the book, I spell it wrong. It's the funniest thing. <laughs> but I think that's the that's the freedom that the title gives me. It allows me to to spell it wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, actually, um, what's really interesting in the book as well is uh, that you talk about the fact of being a creative is having an opinion, um, and I think that's so important. Um, do you think you could describe your creative process and how you actually come up with opinions and ideas? Because that seems like, you know, one of the light motives of, of being a creative. Light motive. I love you. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) the, um, the idea is that, um, again, the way design is traditionally taught is taught outside of us. Mm. Meaning we learn shapes and colors and typography and all these things that that don't don't really involve us. They don't really involve an opinion, mm. having an opinion on the subject. Um, it involves like finding finding um, you know the, the 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 traditional definition of graphic design is the pleasant arrangement of shapes on a page, <laughs> right? And that's that that's good for some it's nice if you're swiss but for the rest of us it's like hey i need some sauce on this <laughs> you're giving me like cold pasta um and where i where i start is whenever i get any kind of project any kind of job my the first thing i do before sitting down and and doodling on a page or thinking about color or typography is i i, I sit down and ask myself i say you know what do i think hmm. You know, because it's funny because I had an I had an assistant for a bunch of years. His name was Chris, brilliant guy. But when he first started out for, with me, he was straight out of school. And every time we would get a job in the studio, he would say, "Oh, that's awesome! What do they want?" Hmm. And I'm like, "Dude, you say that one more time. 
<laughs> and I'm gonna and I'm gonna spank you. You know, it's like I don't know what they want. I don't care what my client wants. They want me. They want my opinion. They want my sense of humor and my sense of sex appeal and my sense of the macabre or or um, my sense of shy um, and my 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 completely boring color palette. You know, um, so you know, having an opinion is is the best tool. It's the strongest tool. And if you don't have an opinion and don't put it in your work, you're going to get bored with this business real soon because then all you're doing is your, your, your objective is to make other people happy. And that gets boring really quick. Mm. It's like being in a relationship and just, and, and not being yourself, not, you know, and you're, you're making your, your partner happy all the time to the point where you're frustrated and, and probably, you know, um, um, in the business underpaid as well. Yeah. And losing your identity, I guess as well. Sure. Sure. Sure, and that's the that's the that's the sin, Amy. Is that the sin is that if you keep doing that, if you don't have an opinion, and you don't not only have an opinion but put it in the work, I mean that's the big part. Put it in the work. If you don't do this, the biggest sin is that you will never find out what you're capable of. You'll never find out the power of your voice and of your opinion. You'll never you'll never you know see people laughing at what you've created or crying at what you've created, and that's a shame. That's so so thought provoking. It's it's amazing, and and it's it's a, it's a, even in uncreative um, jobs it happens as well. You know, you're always oh, doing sure. things to please, and um, yeah. And at the end of the day, you do you do end up losing losing part of you. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's there's two parts there. There in the subtitle, the subtitle of the book is uh, "Dangerous Ideas on the Business of Life," and I think these the ideas that we talk about in the book are are applicable to not only to you know the the creative world but to the business world. And what I've realized as well is is the parenting mm. world. <laughs> yes. You know, because we want perfection from our kids, or we want you know, and 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 we ride them hard on that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Or we want, or we want them to f fulfill our assumptions instead of standing back and letting them form an opinion. You yeah, know? and and I guess that also leads us to to fear and and failure. Um, and there's a really interesting part in your book about facing and overcoming fears and 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 not being afraid of failure. Um, do you think you could elaborate on that? Uh, you know. If your audience are surfers, then they understand. <laughs> they've gotten they've gotten the ice cream headache before, you know. They've they've gotten a big, big a big a big drink of salt water. They know that's the process. That's the process, mm -hmm. and that's the process in the water, and that's the process, you know. For me, on you know on the dirt track is is falling down and getting hurt, um, uh, and it and but we but we run away from that in our real lives. Yeah, which is you know which is silly, you know, and and the the fear thing. It, it's funny because what we try to what I try to talk about in the book is um, that fear is the game. That's just how it works. The fear is the game. It's not going to go away. It's like it, the people write about overcoming your fear. You're not going to overcome your fear. You're just going to make friends with it. Yeah. You're going to get closer to it. You're going to accept it. I shit. I'm afraid of everything. I don't like airplanes. I don't like travel. I don't like the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> ocean scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Jellyfish, jellyfish, skates, God, sharks. I've seen them. I saw one. But you got to, you know, but you got to, you got to go anyway. You got to go anyway and you got to face them. And, and 
oh, there's a word in French which is apprivoiser, which is you, you learn to master them, you learn to domesticate them, or um, yes. I don't I don't know how you how you could put it, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, there there are ways, and I guess it's a case of practice as well, and and actually putting your in, yourself in front of the fear as much as possible. Yes. Yes, practice is practice is huge, and practice is really important. And the thing is, when people people don't realize they you know they keep they'll keep changing. They'll do a business for a while, and then they'll try something else, and then they'll try you know they'll go into you know they'll go into alternate versions of that. And they might be avoiding, but they also might be practicing. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's the thing is like you have to understand that practice. You practice anything, and you're gonna get good at it. You know, you you know the good example is you know math. Most of us say, oh, I can't do math. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't do it now because you just said it. <laughs> You've got some like, you know, mental constipation about math. Um, but, uh, you know, practice is, practice is super important. You know, it's like, it's like um, there's a great story with um, um, Chet Baker, horn, American horn player, the, the, the uh, 50s and the 60s. Smooth stuff. Amazing guy. Um, but he, he never practiced and he would go out late at night drinking with all his pals and then they'd all look at their watch and go, Oh damn, it's like three o'clock. I got, I got, I got to go home. I got to get up and practice. And Chet Baker would just say, practice, man, you're just going to get good. <laughs> you know, you, I don't want to be good. You know, I don't want to be good at anything. I think there's a level of, there's a level of me as a beginner. That's beautiful. I think there's a level of me not, not perfecting. You know, like in it, again in design, we want to we want to make our work. We want to emulate the masters. You know, but 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 the masters aren't us. We're not. It's you know, it's like then all you've done is you know your work looks like theirs. It doesn't look like yours. You know, it's funny because I I sometimes sometimes run from the marks that I make. I'm like, oh my god, that is so you know bad or childish or immature or unprofessional and then when i when i publish it or when i send it off to the client they 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 love it and they love all the little all the little hairs and extra marks and mistakes <laughs> you know yeah i can totally see that um yeah and, and and it's also part of your personality you know that's 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 your signature um and and that's what makes you unique as well well, you know, again, the end of that end talking about the fear and that scares the hell out of me because it's not somebody else. It's, it's not some alter ego that I can hide behind. It is just me. And I'm like, well, <laughs> here it is. Hope you like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. And and um, actually sort of moving moving through the, the book, there's a really interesting part about having goals. And funnily enough, uh, when we were talking before, the beginning of the recording I was talking about you know I had this goal of making this business and uh, e-commerce and making it work and the, and the day I reached it I reached that goal I just sort of it, it petered out and the whole motivation went away and and what was really interesting is is the fact that you you say you know you've got to revise those goals you've got to sort of increase them as the um and and fix new ones as you go along and I think that's a really interesting point um do you think you could tell us a bit more about that yeah, um, I think the problem, you know, uh, the, the the problem with mid-career people is that they achieved goals and they achieved them, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, I woke up in my life, I woke up at 40 years old and I had um, property. I owned a big house 
a big old Victorian house and land Mm -hmm. and um, was married and had a beautiful young son and um, had, you know, work going. And I woke up one morning and I realized the whole thing was falling apart. And a month later, I was, you know, thrown out of the house. We were getting divorced. It was like, you know, the classic right out of a movie clothing being thrown out of the windows. And what I had realized as when I first started as a designer, when I first moved to New York, when I was 19, I had a, I had a, I had a plan and I had a 15 year plan and I knew where I was going to be. Right. I knew where I was going to be by the time I was 35. And I wanted, you know, I wanted to have shows in Europe. I wanted to be in museums. I wanted to be the best poster designer on the planet. And I got a lot of those things. But I woke up at 40 and everything was falling apart because I realized I hadn't re-upped my plan. I was done with my plan. I had no, I had nowhere else to go. So, you know, and it took me. I shit you not, it took me maybe maybe five or seven years to come up with some like oh I basically five or seven years of going, oh my God, I can't just I can't just be another graphic designer. I don't want to be another just a you know I was on stage with my first book with the 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 big coffee table book, the Victoria Who Died Made You Boss, on sale at Amazon.com for twenty six ninety five. There are copies still left. Um um and I was on stage with uh, the guy who designed the book, Paul uh, Paul Sayre, a good friend of mine, surfing pal of mine. And um, I had mentioned how I was changing my goals, how I was refiguring what I wanted to do. And there was a Q&A session at the end of the talk. And somebody said, oh, Mr. Vittori, you mentioned, you know, changing your goals or, you know, a new future or something. What, what exactly did you mean by that? And I said, well, I don't want to wake up at 50 and be a book jacket designer. And and Paul leaned into the microphone and said, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all have our own goals. It's, you know, so so it took me a number of, you know, a number of years to re- reset, recalibrate what I wanted and call it something else. Um, and now I have basically I have goals that take me to, you know, to 75, 80 uh, because I know what I want to look like. I know who I want to be and I know why, what I want to look like because I have – two young kids and a beautiful wife. And I want to keep riding motorcycles. I want to keep surfing. I want to be active. Yeah. Um, and that's part of, you know, that's part of the goals or the plan. Um, but I think it's, I think it's super important because, you know, uh, it's a silly idea. And it sounds like one of these ideas that like, you know, the purple dinosaur Barney would say, <laughs> but it's basically true. And it basically says, um, you know, you can't score if you don't have goals. Yeah. You know, if you and I and a bunch of other people went out into a field with a soccer ball and said, hey, let's put a game together. What's the first thing we're going to do? We're going to we're going to put four, two posts or a, your your sweater and, you know, my lunch bag on that. Uh, that's one goal. And then on the other, you know, horizontal of that, we're going to do the same thing. You know, we're going to have we're going to set up goals because yeah. <laughs> if without goals, you can't play. Yeah. yeah. OK, from that tree to those rocks over there, <laughs> you know, that's the field. So goals are important. Yeah, and and do you have a method um, of actually setting these goals? Do you, do you take time out um, to reflect upon them, or do, are they? Is it an ongoing process? I think it's. I think it's. I think. I think it's a live process, and I don't think it's something that you write down. Mm-hmm. You know, like every every New Year's Day, you check it. You know, and like <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, it's just like something that you got to be conscious of. 
and 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 daily conscious in a, to to a certain extent because everything that you're doing and everything in your life you have to say is this something that's feeding me is this something that is taking me in the right direction or am i just you know jerking off wasting my time and if you're just jerking off wasting your time that's cool but just you know don't lie to yourself and say this is my career you know um but i think the i think the biggest part of setting any goal is to give it time you know, I gave myself 15 years when I when I first moved to New York, and you know, I get, when I was in New York, I would get all these European designers, young designers, would come to my studio, and they're like, "I've moved to New York for three months, and I'm going to find a job and get a new career." And I'm like, <laughs> "Good luck, <laughs> three months, shit." That's oh, amazing. Desperation is showing. <laughs> Absolutely. Today, you're you're okay. You're a, you're a designer. You still work with really prestigious clients like Mouette et Chandon and um, well, we try, we try Apple to. and or, or try to. Um, and you also have your well, your book that's coming up uh, very soon. Um, you also teach. Uh, you have um, seminars that you you actually have people to your own place and you spend a week with them. Could you? Tell us a bit more about Ran uh, Rancho Victoria. Is that is that correct? <laughs> Hashtag Rancho Victoria. Yes. Um, I start when when we were back in Brooklyn. We started. Um, we were playing around when we first started getting out of the design business. We were playing around and we did some events and we did some you know big events and small events and. <clears throat> Uh, you know, we would rent out the New York Times Center and have, you know, an audience of 180 and it would be me on stage for six hours, yeah. you know, talking about talking about these ideas. And back then I had um, um, 11, 11 ideas. We called them the 11 commandments. Um, now, now the book is what, 80, I think it's 80 chapters. Um, and big events became kind of taxing. There were mm -hmm. a lot to put on. And then, you know, you'd throw a big event and no matter how good it was, somebody would say, well, I went to the Victoria thing, but the coffee wasn't very good. <laughs> like coffee was cold. I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> you're not the right person, man. So I started doing smaller things. And we did something in the studio in Brooklyn called the um, the dinner series. And it was you'd come for, for you know four or five days no matter depending on how you know how we set it up and we would share three meals a day together and we'd work in the studio and then we'd have a little break in the afternoon and then we would meet at a private restaurant with a private chef and we would invite some some hero of mine uh to like the chief editor of Esquire magazine or a internationally acclaimed photographer or author or, you know, the guy, uh, guys who started uh, Behance or the people who started um, Kickstarter, you know, this kind of thing. And we would just sit around the table and it was no more than, you know, it was always kept small because basically to have 10 is a perfect number because having more than 10 people at a dinner table, you can't hold one conversation. So we always kept it very small. And it was super expensive, and we never got anybody from New York. It was always an international crowd, which was just amazing. Um, and then we moved three years ago, um, three years ago, almost – well, now, <laughs> three years ago, we moved to, uh, to, to rural Texas. Like we are – I'm like nine miles from the closest bar here. 
from being in Williamsburg, Brooklyn to this. Um, and we said, hey, let's give it a shot there. So now we have this thing that we call Rancho Victoria, and it's very similar. It's shorter. It's like three days. And you come and um, we spend three meals together and we have um, campfires uh, um, every night and um, we have barbecue and my wife makes cornbread and pie. And we, we, um, now we don't, now we don't get anybody from Texas. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing. I'm not exotic. In, I wasn't exotic in New York. So no New Yorkers came and now I'm not exotic <laughs> in Texas. Um, um, and we, you know, challenge them creatively. We, we, we find out what they want. Like we say, you know, literally, literally we just say, what's your quest? What are you here for? What are you seeking? And some people want more, you know, some people want courage. Some people are, some people are, are, are at an impasse in their career. They're stuck. Um, you know, they come for different reasons. They're kind of like the scarecrow and the lion and the, uh, the tin woodsman. <laughs> and, um, Hey, that's pretty good. I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> I just, I just made that shit up. Um, and we put them through their paces and, uh, my wife does, um, some dance therapy with them. And we, if we get, everybody gets, you know, gets stuck in the head, we take them out and, and shoot, um, clay pigeons and, uh, uh, it's got to be it's got to be a lot of fun or we don't do it and but generally if there are no tears then we're not doing our job so yes um, you really do get into the core of oh yeah of people well it's because it's not it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a design conference where you go and you learn new tools and you know uh upgrade your computer skills and mm. here try this paintbrush because it's really fun i mean we do some of that but it's the same thing as if someone brought me a product and said, James, we want the, you to market this and we want to, uh, you know, we want to, uh, we want it to go. Um, you know, if the product wasn't up to par, I'd, I'd, I'd have to say, Hey, listen, you know, we got to go back and this thing breaks too, too easily. It's this thing, you know, is whiny, you know, let's, 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 you know, I say that, you know, you can't be a better designer until you decide to be a better person. You know, because there's so much there's so much about humanity and what we do. And now, you know, especially in the United States with this political situation we're in right now, unless basically everybody realizes the goodness in them and uses that in their work, we are F-U-C-K. You can say that. You can say that on the podcast. Don't worry. Oh, OK. OK. <laughs> then, then 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 we are F-U-C-K. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, I, I must say, I really admire your work that you're giving away for free, um, that people can use and spread on the, on their social networks, um, just as the, um, as the fight against the power that's in place at the moment. And I really, mm -hmm. really appreciate that work that you're doing as well, because it's yeah, we, witty. thank you. We don't we don't use his name, um, and any time that I come up with something, I just basically try to add, uh, you know, to 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 the fire. Um, you know, it's funny because when I started as a graphic designer, the reason I started, I started just before computers were, became in, you know, in every house or every studio just before. And the reason I started is because I liked working with my hands. You know, I felt, I felt creative. I liked to draw and paint and cut with scissors and stuff. And never in my wildest dreams when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21, did I, did I think that for a living as an adult, I would be managing websites <laughs> and that's what I do for a living. And I think that, and that, that just, that just bores the shit out of me. <laughs> it's kind of soulless. And I do it because, because I understand that people are, 
looking and people are enjoying what I do, but the whole, you know, keeping it, keeping it going is like, Oh God, really? Yeah. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> Cause you've got so many, you've got lots of social networks, you've got lots of websites going on. You've got, um, uh, there are all sorts of different tubes that you use. Many ways to, actually, to connect with. Yeah. Yes. Lo loads of ways to connect with. And that must be a really, really long haul job. Um, how do you manage that with your creative side? Because, um, painfully, take, painfully. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, uh, Amy, you can, you can, you, you, you can, uh, through practice, you can get good at anything. And I've, it's weird because I get, I get calls, people, you know, pay me and, and put, put me on a plane so I can be somewhere and be on a panel for social media. And I'm like, really? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just doing it. I get an idea and I put it out in the world. Um, um, how do I manage it? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, if, if you want to see Europe, you have to get on a boat or a plane, right? So it's the same thing for me. Like if I want these things, I have to do those things. Um, um, and I try to do them okay. I'm trying to simplify these things that um, actually you will see very soon there is going to be a, 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 a new consolidated jamesvictoria.com. And the, the book has its own um, feckperfection.com, feckperfection <laughs> uh, which will be on the, uh, the jamesvictoria.com as well. Okay. So we're trying to simplify these things and, you know, choose what, um, choose what battles uh, right. we want to fight. Right. And so how much, how, how big a team have you got working with you? Because it's really interesting to see how much um, manpower it takes to actually get all these things running simultaneously. Yeah, not enough right now. We don't have enough. Um, right now, it seems it's uh, currently it's uh, three. Um, it's been as many as five, but uh, three seems to be three, three seems to be manageable. Um, and so, you know, I I would like to like to just basically sit at you know my big table with pens and markers and and make myself laugh that's basically that's my job that's what i just sit there and i'm like i come up with funny things and i'm like oh that's pretty funny <laughs> i think other people might like that um and then you know i have uh i have a, a full-time assistant who who basically does all of the editing and all of the programming and all of the hootsuite and all of the you know yeah. handling all the channels and i i go i wake up and go oh shit, we should put stuff on sale or, oh, I got to record another podcast or, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's, it's so exciting to be able to actually connect with you through different media and to find you differently because um, it also means that you're, you're even, you're spreading out even more and unreachable, even easier. I don't know if that makes sense what I've just said, but. Um... Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Uh, it's funny this, um somebody wrote me recently um I guess they had written in through through Instagram or Twitter or something, and they they made some comment, and I responded to them, and then they wrote back and said, "I was totally floored that you would respond to me, but I guess that has become your mo." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I and I was like, "Oh, that's you know that's really sweet. Thank yeah. you." 
yeah. you know but like you know so we've got a youtube channel that we're trying to that we're that we're every week we put up a you know a new a new video mm-hmm. and um you know i have to try to find uh half an hour during some day of the week where i go to the channel and see if anybody has written in and i and i you know i try to respond in a in a unique and thoughtful way not just thanks james thanks james thanks james um you know i uh, it's very kind that they made the effort and i have to you know i have to be in kind i have to be kind in kind that's lovely that, that, please keep it up because it's so it's so refreshing to to be able to actually um, communicate with the people that we admire and the people that um, that inspire us, um, and it's it's very appreciated. Um, well, I, I I I joke and tell everybody that my my algorithm sounds just like me. <laughs> well, you never know. One day you will have one. It's yeah, right. Not, it's not too far away. Talking uh, avatar. <laughs> so maybe we can move on to um, the chapter of the podcast on surfing. Um, because yeah, I've been, let's get, let's get in the water. I've been stalking. I've been stalking Let me your stretch first. Yeah, I've been I've been stalking your 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 life um, for a while now, and um, I just wanted to know how you discovered surfing in the first place. I discovered it very late. I mean, I knew about it, but I discovered it very late. I didn't grow up. I didn't. Grow, I grew up in the mountains in the, up, upstate New York, like all the way up near near, near Montreal. And I was a, uh, my father had a ski shop and I was, uh, was an am- a lifetime skier. I was a, um, a national ski patrol during, uh, one of the Olympics. So I was pretty good. Uh, I was an expert skier. Um, then moved down to New York city and skiing was kind of not, first of all, I was a poor artist and skiing is kind of expensive. Um, but later, you know, later in life, like closer to like 30, I started, um, I, I found the sport through pals of mine who were surfing, um, designers. And then we ended up going on, you know, I've surfed a number of parts of the world, which is, which is always fascinating to go somewhere else like Costa Rica and, you know, and, and surf. Um, and I, I love it. And people say, Hey, I, I heard you're a surfer. And I, and I always have to correct them. I said, I say, I surf. I'm not a surfer. <laughs> and to me, that means a surfer will look at the report and go, oh, it's up. I got, I'm, I'm going tomorrow morning. <clears throat> a surfer goes. Yeah. You know, Eddie. Eddie would go. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I look at the report and go, oh, it's it's up tomorrow morning. Oh, you know, I got so much to do. <laughs> I will, you know, I'm like, I love my job. So it's not like I'm like stuck behind a desk, like my, my boss won't let me. <laughs> um, but um, it's funny because uh, and I'm not, I, it's not like this is a, you know, secret story or anything. I tell it a lot, but um, I was asked uh, twice to be uh, a partner at this fancy design firm called Pentagram in New York. And the the second time um, was when I was getting divorced. And, um, and um, my first thought was, oh, I I can't do that. I've got to you know, I wouldn't be able to get in the water and get in the office until like 10 and then I'll, my skin will taste like salt water. And I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll put up with that. <laughs> I can't work. I've got to surf. Um, and I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm a reluctant surfer because I'm originally like a, a motocross guy. I've been on motorcycles uh, basically my whole life. And I like, um, 
riding motocross. But when I was in Brooklyn, riding motocross was difficult because you, you, you didn't have a garage and you didn't have any place to repair your bike. So every time you went out riding, something would break and you'd have to repair it and you don't want to, you know, I, I had three motorcycles stored in my, you know, my studio, my apartment, but, um, but I wasn't fixing them cause they kind of get smelly. Um, so, you know, my friends were surfing and I said, shit, I'll try that. And so what did you feel when you caught your first wave? <laughs> I almost said, I almost said, um, um, when I'm still searching. <laughs> um, no, the first thing I thought of was, damn, this is faster than it looks. Like when you're paddling in mm-hmm. and you're laying, like you're like on the surface, it just seems, feels like you're on a bus, like flying, Right. Um, I always tell people like, Hey, you know, um, nobody has more fun than I, and I, I, I'm happy. I'm happy to be out past the break floating at, you know, five o'clock in the morning. We, we were like, we were like Dawn Patrol. We were out there, you know, super early waiting for the sun to come up, waiting for the fish to stop feeding, you know? So where would you surf near New York? Uh, Rockaway. Actually off the coast of New York is some of the best surfing in the world. It just happens to be in the winter. So it's like you, know, you have one of those big, those big uh, team mascot suits on that you know you you can hardly move. Um, um, no, it's great surfing from Rockaway out to Long Island, but you know I've never really spent much time on Long Island. Long, uh, excuse me, Long Island because I'm not one of the not one of those guys. Um, Rockaway was always fine to me, but the problem was that I've surfed in California, and California is brilliant because the waves start you know um, uh, tens of thousands of miles. You know, or thousands of miles out, and by the time they're in, they are they are defined sets. You know, and our waves would come hundred miles away, so it was a it was a little bit like you know like surfing in a in a washing machine. Yeah, I get I you get know. I get the feeling because in the Mediterranean it's a bit like that too. Um, that the the swell doesn't come from very far away, so it's very choppy. Yeah. Um, and the period isn't uh, isn't that long, and um, yeah, I, I I totally get it. But I didn't realize yeah. that the Atlantic um, also got got that way as well. Yeah, that's, that's good but to know. but you know that's why you know going to Costa Rica or something is just it's 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 amazing. It's like so I was a skier originally, and um, the mountain I skied at uh, my home mountain was called Whiteface, but we all called it Iceface because it was just so br- brutally cold all the time. The mountain was just you know an ice block, and I learned to ski ice. So the first time I went out into Colorado, it was like, oh, this is ski. This is awesome, <laughs> you know. Um, and the same thing going out to Costa Rica. You're like, oh, my God, this is like gentlemanly. I yes. love this. Yes. You know, you just sit out there and go, oh, I think I'll let that one pass. Oh, there's another one. Oh, I'll, OK. Yeah. He looks chummy. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I, love it. I love it. I love I love, you know, being in the water. I love being with friends. Um, um, uh, I've I've gone down a couple times hard and and I don't like that at all. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, but it's part of, but it's part of the game. I, I did get at, at the end, I, I haven't surfed, you know, obviously since, since I moved here, I have three boards, <laughs> a soft top and then two nine footers in the, you know, stored in the, in the barn. Um, but yeah, the last time, the last couple of times I was super, I remember being super gun shy of like, you know, committing. Mm-hmm. In your book, uh, the, uh, who died and made you boss? Um, there's a couple of really cool photos of customized surfboards. Do you still customize boards for friends? Um, I, yeah, I would. 
I would. Um, and so it's a really great story, Amy. So I started with a borrowed, a borrowed um, log, like a 10 footer. And um, it was super beat up. And it was, uh, I borrowed from my friend, Paul Sayre. We called it old number one. It was a big old log. And um, I told Paul I wanted to get, you know, get a new board. And I found a, I found a, um, a shaper on mm -hmm. Long Island, a guy named Mike Becker. And Paul said, oh, I'll go. So we got in my pickup truck and we went out and we're talking to uh, talking to Mike. And we found out that if you buy them, you know, with no glass, with no finish on them, they're they're half price. So we came home uh, we with um, eight of them <laughs> in the back of my pickup truck <laughs> and slowly, um, uh, slowly painted them up. Um, I think I got I got through three. I, I did my board and then two that I two that I sold. And um, I think I I gave away one to another pal of mine, a guy who's now in the, now surfing in California. Um, and Paul did some some really brilliant stuff on his boards too. Um, so that's where those came from. And then it was funny because I had a relationship with um, uh, the the kind of high end furniture place called uh, Design Within Reach. Um, I had a relationship with them at the time, and they in their catalog carried a Victoria board for a short time it was a, yeah it was a it was like a um a, a six two a nice a nice comfy shape that probably if anybody bought it they would probably didn't surf it they probably just you know had it propped up in the corner or something you know <laughs> oh the real works of art though they, i'll put the um the photos of them in the show notes so that that our our listeners can, can find them sure Anyway, we're, we're actually edging on to the end of the interview. Um, I've got a few phrases that I often ask my guests. Um, they're, they're sentences that they can finish. So I start them and they finish them. Would you be up to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. So the first phrase is, I love. <laughs> um, I actually will start that sentence. Um, I work because I love. Mm, that's like somebody asked me recently and they said, you know, why do you work? And I said, well, because because uh, I love I I I want to change the world with it. I want to make stuff for my wife and I want to make stuff for um, for the public that, you know, I want to make work that people see. Um, I say that, you know, I want all of my work to be love notes. You know, to be that intimate and that that hopefully um, sensual and moving and meaningful. So yeah, so I I, I work because I I love. That's lovely. Um, I miss. I miss um, food. <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm in rural Texas, baby. <laughs> <laughs> in rural Texas. I used to live live around the corner from the best coffee shops and the best restaurants, Mexican food, sushi, everything, you know, French bistro, some beautiful places. And, and you know, uh, my wife had her little her little coffee joints she would go to in the morning and I had my, my greasy spoon diner. And, you know, uh, and now we don't, you know, now it's like um, now I'm, I'm learning to cook, which is great. That's good. That's really good. And it's very creative miss, as well. It's uh, food. Oh, it is. You know what? It is the perfect. It is the you're right. It is the perfect vehicle of creativity. I have a friend who's a super high end chef in San Francisco. His name is um, Gary Denko. He's a, mm -hmm. one of the one of the restaurants you can't get into in mm -hmm. San Francisco. And he was asked to be on one of those programs, one of those food programs, you know, 
Like, and and his response to them, he turned them down. And the reason he turned them down, he said, food is not competition. You know, it's like this is nurturing and this is comforting and this is this is this is giving somebody an experience that they, you know, may never have again. Right. And this is the uh, this is this is the goal. And the fact that I can, you know, cook a steak on a on a on a on a cast iron pan in the house and have it as good as, you know, anything that we've had. Um, well, not not in France, mind you, <laughs> but, you know, uh, is kind of awesome. And it makes my and it makes my wife happy, which is really groovy. That's cool. Um, I wish. Man, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I don't like this thought, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's like, man, I wish I, wish I knew then <laughs> a wee bit, a wee bit of what I know now. I wish, you know, like, I wish I didn't have all those beers. I wish I had that million dollars that I spent, you know, I wish I, you know, there's a lot of that. I think there's, I think wishing, uh, so for me, wishing is for fools. Wishing doesn't work because it just sends me to a ba backwards into a dark place. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, don't get me wrong. There are dark places in James Victoria, <laughs> which is, which is, which is, you know, I mean, the, 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 the best saints are all sinners, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And actually, they say in, in your profile, it says part Darth Vader, part um, part Yoda. So, yeah, everybody yes. has their – there needs to be darkness to, for there to be light. So that's – Correct. Um, that's, Correct. That's perfectly, perfectly normal. And the last one is I want. I think I just – I want – Access. I want to. I'm so excited because I'm going to be in in Dublin and in Barcelona and uh, and in uh, Los Angeles this um, in 2019 on stage with huge audiences. And yeah. I, I I I want to I want to move them. I want to I want to be there. And I want to you know I I I saw um, I do a good job on stage. My wife says that's where I belong. You know, on stage I do a good job. Um, but I saw. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the 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 film recently, and I, I, Amy, I, I I I cried most of the way through it, because that's what I want. I want to be able to 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 move people like that. I want to be able to you know to 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 work with an audience like that. I want to be able to speak to people through my book. You know, like I've I look through Feck Perfection now and I read a chapter or two and I'm like, wow, that's dude, that's that's pretty personal you sure you <laughs> you sure you want to say that and i'm like well i did it so there's no going back you know? but but i think that the the only through only through authenticity and only through being vulnerable and only through telling the truth can you know can i can i uh, can i can i move people the way i want that's that's such a good answer and it's and, it, and it's really true the vulnerability is is probably the secret the secret weapon yeah, it is. It is it just, you know, it, it tells other people that you're human and that yes. frees them up to be yes. human. Yes. Yes. Well, that's that's a lovely way to, to finish this interview. Um, just before we 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 part, um, I was wondering if you could just recap the book and uh, how we can get hold of you and how we can connect with you and, um, you know, how we can support you, too. Um, 
the the book is um, I never thought of it this way, but it ends up ended up being like a um, a, a, a a kit of power tools mm. <laughs> for a creative for a creative person. You know, it's like it's broken up into six chapters, and the first one is it, it, it's to me there they are the the journey of the hero, and oh. it takes you from finding your voice and dealing with the fear and learning how to just start. Um, all the way through to finding a purpose because I think I think that's what most people lack in their lives is a purpose and a purpose a purpose is like is what gets you out of bed in the morning with a heart on going mm-hmm. yeah let's go let's go do this you know yeah. most people only get up for with a purpose when they're going to go on vacation you know once or twice a year they have a purpose that's <laughs> so true it's so yeah. sad but it's so true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right it's like oh alarm clock gotta go make the donuts you know so um and i want this book to you know to 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 i wrote it for me mm-hmm. but but that means i wrote it for you i want to help people because mm-hmm. I, like i said i've had a nice career and um i want other people to you know to live dangerously yes and and that's the name of your of your video series dangerous ideas dangerous ideas which is a great place to uh, this the video series um um uh, but it's also the podcast, which the podcast is is more current, and the videos are 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 older now. But yes, yeah, so there's a video series on YouTube mm-hmm. called Dangerous Ideas, and then um, there is a um, every week we do a completely new podcast on um, Patreon. Fantastic. So uh, that's the way to get in touch with me. But if you really just want to kind of follow along and and see new work and me testing out ideas and really great pictures of my two adorable little kids um um instagram it's just james victoriet you know on instagram is 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 the place okay well thank you ever so much james for being such an awesome guest how are you feeling Amy? it was delightful thank you (laughs) well thank you and i hope to see you soon maybe um pop in and see you in barcelona if there's um because it's not too far away Um, there you go yeah that would be that would be really nice to to meet in person. Hey, or or you could come. There's there's a wave pool in Austin, and there's <laughs> yeah. one in in Waco. The one in Waco I heard is better. Really? But yeah. And that's not too so far. So it's basically from your not far from our place, and it's uh, like surfing in the middle of the desert. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, thank you, James, for being my guest today, and good luck with the book. Um, I bet it'll be a great success. And also, I heard that you're doing a children's book too. Um, oh, I have, I have a children's book in my head, uh, oh. and it's very good. It's so charming, and kids will love it. And um, but I, 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 I'm having trouble pooping it out. <laughs> okay. Well, that will be maybe for next time we we meet on a podcast. Correct. Okay then. I'll take care, James. See you soon. Beautiful. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I love the way James has so many powerful things to say, but in such a cool manner. I had a whale of a time recording this episode, and I really hope you enjoyed listening to it. You can pursue the pep talk by joining James on his many networks. First, um, first stop is probably YouTube and Instagram, and you can go go further by supporting him on Patreon. All the links are available in the show notes. You can also find James Victoria's books on Amazon, and there's even a dedicated website to his latest book, Feck Perfection, at feckperfection.com. 
For those who are interested, the next Run Show Victoria retreat is in May from the 10th to the 12th, 2019. It's in Texas, so perhaps you can bring a board with you and surf wacko. European fans also can see James in action at the OFF Festival in Barcelona on the 25th of April, 2019. All the people, books and events mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes that you can find on your podcasting app or on my website, theoceanriderspodcast.com. There's also an illustrated article about our conversation on medium.com. You'll also be able to find some of James's art there and download his Coward in Chief poster. You can subscribe to my profile on Medium. Just look up Imi Barno or The Ocean Riders Podcast. The Ocean Riders Podcast is a weekly podcast, so if you like it, please subscribe. Every week I'll be receiving a new surfer guest who has an incredible story to share, so please stay tuned. If you fancy joining the conversation after the episode, you're welcome to as well. Uh, you can find our Facebook group called The Ocean Riders Community. If you need to remember one website to access all the others, use my link tree to pave your way. It, the address is www.linktr.ee slash The Ocean Riders Podcast. And finally, if you'd like to share your story and be a guest on my show, you can connect with me at hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com or through my Instagram account at theoceanriderspodcast. Thank you, James, for being such a great guest. I had such a fun time recording this episode and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Until next week, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao. Ciao.